welcome to the Profiles in Persistence show. I'm Dusty Rollins, founder and owner of Oxford Business Services. We help entrepreneurs and business owners maximize their profit and minimize their taxes. We believe there should be limits to how much the IRS can punish your success. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on this great inspirational daily podcast. Let's go. everyone. Uh, this is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Ann Ching. And Ann has one of the most unique professional backgrounds and frankly, geographic working backgrounds that I've come across lately. So I'm incredibly intrigued uh, to visit with you. Ann, first of all, welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, so let's just get into this professional background, because like I said, I, I've you, you've worked in a variety of industries You've worked in a variety of countries. So could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Yeah, so I I started out my career in the financial industry uh, all those years ago uh, when I was, well, quite a young one. Um, And, you know, that's uh, I I come from an Asian family uh, where your parents decided for you what you do for a living. Uh, so my mom said, hey, go be a banker. And I decided to go be a banker. Hated it. Um, absolutely came to, you know, push came to shove when when the Lehman Brothers financial crisis came and the entire uh, world felt uh, had its floor fall out from under it. So I left and I went into education. Um, that's where I learned a lot about entrepreneurship and education and I, 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 I started my first startup uh, sold two startups by the time the uh, the um, my term with the education institution in the university came to an end and uh, started a venture capital fund called startup nation in uh, 2010 with my then partner uh, and uh, yeah that that brought me into the world of startups. Um, it brought me into a diverse world of startups uh, where I, I learned so much about everything from engineering to chemistry to bioengineering. Um, and, and, and that catapulted me into the world of consulting in, in 2018 when I retired in 2016 from venture capital. Uh, and uh, I went into consulting in 2018. And then I consulted for the construction industry uh, and decided that I fell in love with the construction industry and decided to start um, Business Farm Asia, which was my first, uh, my, my recent company in uh, March of last year. Now, what happened was within three months of starting Business Farm Asia, we had put together $1.5 billion worth of construction and engineering projects um, in terms of getting the right uh, players on board, the right construction companies on board to build infrastructure across Asia Pacific. Um, and, and then I said, what, what if I apply the same methodology to artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence and try to use it across a variety of industries? That gave birth to Supercharge Lab, uh, which has been in the market for about four and a half, five months right now. 
And uh, since we came into the market, we've, we've used artificial intelligence to basically growth hack sales on, uh, for, for corporations, B2B organizations. Uh, and we've done that for 100 clients, over 100 clients. Um, and we've done over $80 million worth of sales on behalf of these clients. And uh, we still consider ourselves a new company. And uh, yeah, you know, we've had quite a number of really, really happy clients come, come our way. So that's my background in a pretty long nutshell. You also have an interesting educational history, but um, you went to the London School of Economics, and I'm always intrigued by people who uh, went to school there. So I wondered if you could give us just a few words on what was your experience at the London School of Economics. Um, I will really remember my favorite dean. Um, his name was uh, Professor Amos Whitsum. Um, I, I I enjoyed um, how he he and I would argue about economic theory uh, so much so that I almost dropped out of school uh, because I probably angered him too much. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I thought the London School of Economics was really fun. Um, Westminster is a beautiful place. It's very city. It's very cosmopolitan. Um, you, you get to learn a lot from 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 the school but you know re- really it's all about the application right um at the end of the day learning is uh, bloom's taxonomy you, you you refer to bloom's taxonomy it's not just the comprehension but the application the analysis the 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 evaluation of of the knowledge that you have and uh i think a university sets you up with the right tools and the right knowledge. Um, the rest is up to you to use them and and, and make it flourish. So I, I think the University of London, LSE, was a beautiful, wonderful place to, to be back in the day. And you've also worked in a variety of geographic locations. You've worked in Thailand, you've worked in Kuala Lumpur, you've worked in Mexico, you've worked in the United States. Uh, what do you... Um, or I guess, how did that experience shape your views on culture and perhaps even leadership in leading an organization? Um, I must say that the different jurisdictions across the world has taught me a lot about um, being very tolerant of different styles of management. Um, I, I think the Thai people are just about the most polite people that they don't even know how to say no sometimes. Um, so they'll say yes to you and then they'll quietly go away and not do the thing that you ask them to do. Um, or, or in uh, Mexico where, where people have a certain way of saying, let's do everything and then nothing gets done. Uh, so it's, it's quite interesting. Um, it's all about managing expectations. It's all about um, getting to, to to speak to people on their level. Um, it's it's um, you know trying to be as authentic and transparent as possible. I think in the early days in Asian culture, a lot of people would say, "Oh, you know, keep your secret sauce uh, close to you so that nobody would know." And today, in order in order to get ahead. You literally tell everybody everything that you do and everything that you know and see if anybody could help you. 
Um, so I think times have changed. Um, I think the impression of Asian culture versus um, the American culture, it's, it's very different. Um, you know, it's a very communal, it's a community uh, type culture in Asia versus in America, it's very individualistic. It's me for myself. Um, but it's, it's given me a great um, perspective of different cultures and operating globally. Um, today, I don't Think I don't think we're, we're as separated as we were before. I think we're a more united globe uh, universe uh, of, of people who actually care about each other. Um, and I, I'm, I'm proud to be a global citizen. So could you tell us what is transformational management? Ah, transformational management. I, I, I was speaking to my colleague, Professor Magdi Hussein recently, and we, we were talking about the fact that transformational management sounds like a misnomer because trans- management hardly transforms um, organization. It's good leadership that transforms organizations. Um, but what we do is we, we, we try to embed a culture of transformation, of innovation, of leadership within uh, organizations, within the DNA of organizations. We have ambassadors, uh, we, we, we help people in organizations become ambassadors of innovation, ambassadors of good, sound, transformational leadership. Um, all, all management, it said, uh, I, I'm not sure by who, but somebody once said to me, look, all management is change management. Um, and it's true, right? Um, you know, management is about managing change. It's about managing uh, people and their, their responses to, to um, situations and circumstance that happens in the workplace. So transformational management is just a practice of how do we manage change? How do we lead with authenticity? Uh, and and really, how do we embrace innovation in a ever-changing world? In addition to the uh, types of businesses you've worked in, you also worked in design. Uh, you've also your current business is AI focused, and I was really wondering how this variety of really disparate types of services and products you've either created or helped to create have also uh, helped inform your uh, current views on not only running a business, but leading that business as well? Um, you know, the, 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 there is a myth, I feel. I'm not sure if everybody would agree with me, but most people think that, you know, if you want to be an expert at something, you, 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 you practice for 10,000 hours and you, you become an expert at that. Um, so there is a school of thought that believes that you need to practice, 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 and uh, in order to be a expert. I am of the view that you need to have plasticity. You need to have neuroplasticity. You need to um, learn different, a diverse range of skills and knowledge in order to apply them and 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 uh, become an expert. So you're an expert of you know, of, of what you do by literally doing as much that 
is not related to that field as possible. Um, and then you come in with fresh eyes. So how I view leadership and how I view management of businesses, um, it, it's really about being able to wear multiple hats um, and, and being apt, having the aptitude um, in, in, in performing a variety of functions across what a leader's plate would, would, would have, right? What comes across a leader's plate is is diverse and, and wide. So you need a range of skills to be able to thrive in a leadership position. And uh, it strikes me, uh, first of all, I, I work with uh, many U.S. multinationals. And uh, one of the struggles that many Americans have is working with cultures outside the United States. In other words, the rest of the world. And they don't have the tolerance, they don't have the understanding, and they don't have, frankly, the patience to learn those things. And it strikes me that your experience, uh, your experiences and your approach uh, are really could be very influential. Also, you gave, uh, when you were telling us a little bit about your background, the, uh, the layment, I would say, of the uh, either the Asian American female or just the Asian female, where you're told uh, what you're going to do. And it seems to me that you've also really uh, evolved past that. Are you able to use the, the, your influence in either of those types of areas to, to help others or mentor others? Absolutely. I, I with a, a colleague, a past colleague of mine, actually came up with a um, development program where I mentor young uh, professionals, aspiring professionals who want to do better in their lives to make a better life for themselves and for the community around them. I We, we do this competency development program, uh, which basically trains a person in high performance behaviors. Um, of course, I'm a student of psychology, so I, I love um, learning about how people behave. Um, in, in the most optimum manner. Uh, so, you know, I, I do a lot of mentorship with a bunch of uh, various young people and uh, with the American Heritage College as well, I do a little bit of um, work there. I teach uh, the, in the School of Transformational Management on how to create high performance behaviors for yourself um, to, to be able to, well, get, get a job firstly, and secondly, to thrive in tomorrow's uh, work environment. So let me uh, change the focus a little bit to your uh, current company, I should probably say, uh, Supercharged Labs. I was really intrigued by the information that's available uh, in researching for this podcast. And I wanted to start off by asking, uh, could you tell us what your corporate vision is for the company and how you develop that corporate vision? Well, it's funny because my, the the last question you asked me about, you know, um, mentoring people, and I, I talked about psychology and and high performance behaviors. Um, my corporate vision is to be a student of um, human behavior and help humans do better by being better by automating what humans shouldn't be doing by taking away the parts of, of, of corporate functions that humans shouldn't be doing and letting humans do better by being human. 
Now, what do I mean by that? Um, we study the sales process. And the sales process is made up of hunting, gathering, um, and farming. And what, what does a human do best is really the human-to-human -human connection. And we decided that we would take away all the hunting and the gathering and, and, and the farming parts. And we, and we said to, uh, to salespeople, go out there and be the best version of a human being you possibly can be. I'll get you the leads. I'll get you the, your, your, your psychological analysis, your profiling, your, your messaging. I'll do all the, that work for you. I'll automate all that such that between two human beings, there's a spark of connection. And we do that for all kinds of processes. So that's just one process. It's a sales process. What about marketing? What is the one thing that a human being does best? Um, what about engineering? What about accounting? What about operations, administration? All these corporate functions. Um, if I could automate what I could automate and leave humans to be the best versions of human beings as they possibly could, I would have fulfilled my mission. That is my vision for Supercharge Lab. So you, you talked about... Um the sales cycle a little bit. And you had a really interesting part on your website, which is sales as a service. Um, I've not seen that before, but it strikes me as uh, incredibly innovative. So I was wondering if you could sort of walk us through how you view sales as a service and how this is, if not revolutionary, certainly the evolutionary step and differentiates you in the marketplace. Well, you know, I, I think there are a couple of players in the market right now who are telling you that they can do psychological profiling for a variety of applications. But what we do is we do ethical artificial intelligence. We, we do um, psychological profiling on a live basis where we are able to literally um, assess a person with within seconds of, of connecting to a person, whether that person is um, a, a, a particular uh, of a particular behavior mode in terms of um, their, their purchasing behavior. So what sales as a service does is really we, we help sell um, your service, your, your product or your service to other organizations by creating messages that resonate with your key decision maker and helping that key decision maker to buy better, not particularly for you to sell better. So that's where the evolution is coming. Uh, the revolution is really that people, everybody says this, right? I don't want to be sold to. Every single person out there, ask them, they all want to buy, right? So what we do is we help people buy better. We don't help people sell better. We help people buy better. And that sales as a service. That's our first product, uh, which I had mentioned that we have had just over 100 clients uh, come through our doors. And we've done about $18 million worth of sales on their behalf. It strikes me that those strategies or tactics could be used in a wide variety of other areas. Uh, for instance, internally to a corporation around communications and messaging, if there's a new uh, product or service or a new initiative, would, would that be also a fair assessment? 
Yes, sir. That would be a fair assessment, Tom. In fact, you hit it, uh, hit the nail right on its head. Um, you know, what we want to do in terms of messaging is help people communicate better, help people connect better. Uh, and we do that through understanding, customizing and personalizing communications between people at scale and at speed. So that's what we do. So you also have a, a wide variety of resources on your website, including a blog. And you had uh, one blog that I wanted to ask you about because I thought it really had some insights, once again, that could uh, influence a wide variety of areas, entrepreneurship, corporations, communications, et cetera. And it was, it was the, the blog post was entitled, The March Towards, let me read this, Technological Singularity. And so I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a little bit about what is technological singularity and why do you think it's important? Well, you know, that's the the fear, right? A lot of people talk about technological singularity where technology grows and, and, and learns at such a pace whereby it creates itself. It no longer requires human navigation. Um, and, and, and why do I call it the, that march? That, that march of technology toward technological singularity, it, it goes to show that it's inevitable. Um, and it's important that we all understand that one day technology is going to no longer be an artificial intelligence. It's going to be a super intelligence. It's going to start creating its own technology uh, where technology begets technology. And what then does it mean for human beings where we, where we automate what can be automated to the point that automation automates what should not be automated? Um, what does that mean for human beings? And um, the important step for people who are in the artificial intelligence space, who are in the super uh, intelligence space or in the quantum computing uh, space, it's important for us to start with a moral compass when building technology. If you're not building technology for good, you know, and, and if you don't have in place the, the um, methods, the, the checks and balances to, to ensure that tech is not being used and abused, um, then we're, we're going to march toward a very dystopian future. Um, but in order to prevent that, which obviously, you know, the, the singularity is inevitable, we start with a moral compass and we, we use that moral compass to guide us in every technological decision that we make. And that's why it's important. It's about getting the word out that, you know, singularity is going to happen. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Well, actually, in the blog post, what intrigued me is you went a little bit further than that, and you laid out uh, three steps or, or three ways to think about this uh, to give us a non-dystopian tomorrow. And you, and number one was begin with the end in mind or do no evil or, or have that moral compass. But then you also had iterate the details with the big picture and focus and remember where you started. And those two, I guess all three struck me as you're really emphasizing the human element and uh, uh, choice or free will and all of those. Uh, would that be correct? That would be right. And Tom, uh, Tom, you know what is really interesting? I lived in Thailand for a number of years and the Thai 
population of majority of it is Theravadan Buddhist. And uh, recently I read an article about how technology can learn from Buddhist principles about being compassionate and doing no evil. So earlier you in the podcast, uh, you said something that really intrigued me, which is all management is change management. And I wanted to to use that phrase to um, ask you about what 2020 brought, what the coronavirus health crisis brought, not only to your business, but how you would advise clients. And does that message that all management is change management resonate with your customers and your clients? Well, you know, I think some someone said to me once, life is like a toilet roll. The 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 nearer you get to the end, the faster it goes. Um, and I I think that is absolutely true. Change is accelerating today. Um, are we coming to the end of life as we know it? Um, I don't know. But um, you know, pandemic has certainly brought a, about a massive change in the way we do things, the way we we function, the way we do sales, the way we do marketing, the way we do operate as organizations. At one time you know, it's work from office and then it became work from home and now it's work from anywhere. Um, and and what, what the coronavirus pandemic has given rise to is that a lot, uh, is that understanding that we humans can adapt and, and change is important and change will always happen. It will happen at an increasing rate and at, and at and at a, a accelerating rate. And, uh, you know, it's all about how you you, you, you deal with it. Um, just today I was mentoring someone and I said to her, hey, listen, Naz, you know, um, if, you, if you take an obstacle, if you take a challenge and it gets you down, then, you know, you, 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 you're, you're living in the past, right? But every day, if you take a challenge and you, you, you eat it for breakfast, you live it in the present. But if you're afraid of challenges that aren't even there yet, you're living in the future. So um, again, I'm bringing us back to living in the present and, and realizing that, you know, change is important, but take it as it comes. Don't be afraid of it. So uh, I agree with you. Sales and buying are not going away. But where might they be going in 2025 and even beyond, in your opinion? I think sales, and in, by and large, is going to become more personal. It's going to be more customized. It's going to be more targeted. It's going to be uh, something that you will you will wake up one day and say, hmm, I'm thinking of this. And that, that exact thing that you are thinking of appears in your inbox. Um, so everything's going to be really personalized. It's going to be very preemptive. Um, and 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 it's going to be a little bit more human. Why, why do I say that? I think people are getting sick and tired of programmatic selling. Um, how many people wake up every day to 20 messages in your inbox that say, hey, I'd like to sell you something you don't need? Um, I think that is going to go away at some point. People are going to sell you things that you want and you need 
um, with a human element in, in it. So I think that's where sales will go in 2025 or beyond. And unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself or on Supercharged Labs, uh, where could they go? They can go to www.superchargelab.com or email me anytime at ann at superchargelab.com. I'm always available for anybody to just set up a call with me. Well, Ann, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. This has been a, a fascinating uh interview. And um, I want to say a, f- a few words about our uh, podcast host, Dusty Rollins, and our, his company. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur or you would like any sort of tax strategy planning, not doing your taxes, but if you want to figure out a long-term strategy, contact uh, Dusty at taxcure.com, set up an appointment and uh, visit with him. I've done that and he's helped me immensely. So, Ann, I wanted to thank you again and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Tom. Dusty Rollins here. Thank you so much for listening to Profiles in Persistence. If you're a successful business owner or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit thetaxcure.com slash podcast slash apply. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Profiles in Persistence. I love seeing your posts and your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes and go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, Ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.thetaxcure.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.